The views and opinions expressed on Analyze This are entirely those of the on-air participants and do not reflect those of the station's board, management, staff, or underwriters. Wednesday morning, good February morning, and welcome to another edition of Analyze This here on your NPR station in the U.S. Virgin Islands, WTJX FM 93.1 with yours truly, Neville James. It is a absolutely Chamber of Commerce day in paradise. It's lovely outside. See, I see a boat there working its way. Uh, in a westerly, northwesterly direction. A really lovely outside the, the the island green, the island green, and the sun is out, it's beaming. Um, mid to high seventies, ain't as breezy as it was on Monday and Tuesday, but I could still see some movement in the upper areas of the trees and all that stuff. This is where you want to be. You know what I'm saying? Straight up and down, like we say. Like um the old dirty black, the ODB. I can't say that name, but like the ODB said, you know what I'm saying? Straight up and down. Uh, you want to be here. And I'm glad to be here. Who texted me, man? Put this on, on mute so that they can't hear you texting me. Who texted me? Uh, can't do it right now. Can't do it right now. Because we're setting up for a, uh, a, a guest. We got... um. A FEMA Youth Council uh, guest coming in. So can't do it right now. Don't hold it against me. Oh, you walk at it. I promise you that. Yeah. I'm trying to get um one of the uh, local comedians um, who used to be here. He used to be a, 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 a radio DJ uh, up at uh, another station. He was a real nice guy named Robert Luke. Trying to get here on. Uh, sometime soon. We're going to walk it out. We're going to knock that out in a little bit. Guaranteed. So, good looking out there. Uh, but it is Black History Month. And, um, you know, kind of, kind of bittersweet given what took place in Memphis back in January. And it's my understanding that uh, the family has requested that the, the vice president um, be in attendance at the funeral for Terry Nichols. Um, and I'm also, it's also my understanding that his parents, um, will be attending the State of the Union. You know, I have, there's something about that, that, it, it, that that's no consolation, you know? I, I don't like, you know, them showing up to a State of the Union address as like some kind of trophy or, you know, some, uh, it's just something wrong with that. You know, if you had to lose your son the way they lo- lost Tyree, and that's how you get invited to a state of the union, it's something fundamentally wrong with that for me. Now, don't get me wrong. You know, everybody's different and all that stuff. But, you know, just thinking the reason, you know, why they got invited primarily is because they lost their son. 
You know, and I don't, I, I don't, I'm not big on that type of thing, particularly when you're grieving. You know, and um, that's that's just sad. You know, I really wish um they were invited on the more uniform, conventional circumstances, because um, you know, there's no coming back. You know, and I, I just don't, um, I, I, I'm not a proponent of that. But this way it is. It ain't my call. It's none of my business. I'm just rendering an opinion on that. Okay. So we got, uh, FEMA, uh, coming in, Aaron Van Duren. He's going to be joining us. And, um, he's a preparedness specialist and part of the, um, USVI FEMA integration team. He's the lead um, with FEMA's uh, Virgin Islands Caribbean Area Office. And um, FEMA has a Youth Preparedness Council. He's going to join us in a couple of minutes. Um, and we're going to speak about his application process and all that. Okay. And uh, the window started on January 23rd, the application window. And it closes on March 6th of 2023 students in grades eight through 11 are eligible to apply. So we're going to be talking with him uh, in a little bit, but before we do that, let's do some homework. Uh, a solid sample yesterday, uh, 365 people tested, uh, 337 negatives, 28, Positives. 28 divided into 365. 7.7%. Technically 7.67. So 7.7%. So anything under 10% this time of year, um, we could live with that. Once we get into March and April, then our threshold is at 5%. Okay? So we need to know how we're going. So we could live with that. Okay? Definitely could live with it. With that. Um, nationally still holding strain at 11%, continue to see a reduction in average daily cases at 45,236 for all American jurisdictions. Hospitalizations are down under 32,000 now at 31,955. ICUs are down 4,018. Average daily deaths at 488. That's the first time it's been under 400 uh, since last week. Yeah. Yeah, it went creeped up over 500 for about a week. And then it was at 487 last week, Tuesday. So uh, that's what we had. Um, yesterday we had, of the 28 positives, we had 18 on St. Croix, eight on St. Thomas, two on St. John. That's the Monday in the late Monday, early Tuesday data that was released yesterday afternoon. And we got 183 actives in the territory, of which 139 are on the Big Island, 41 on St. Thomas, and three on St. John. You'll keep an eye on St. John. Anytime they they, they are active over there. We tend to get a little um, 
curious, for the lack of a better term. Um, great day yesterday on Wall Street. The Dow closed at over 34,000. At 34,086.04. Morning, boss. Um, Dow was up 368.95 points. Over one point, over one percent gain yesterday. One point zero nine percent. Twenty six of the thirty blue chip stocks saw gains. Nasdaq was up one point six seven percent. S and P was up one point four six percent. Russell two thousand was up two point four five percent. And I know I promise, um, when Henry and I gonna, gonna analyze these stocks just to give you a little bit more feel for, uh, what each of them, uh, represent. Um, okay, we have done some, some research and, um, and so, you know, let me, let me knock that out real quick. NASDAQ tech heavy stock index. And it's deemed as the least understood of the major indexes uh, in terms of composition and how it works. The NASDAQ composite, (coughs) excuse me, is a stock market index that consists of stocks that are listed on the NASDAQ exchange to be included in the index. A stock must be listed exclusively on the NASDAQ market. Stock must contain stock of an individual company. So preferred stock, exchange, traded funds, and other types of securities are excluded. In American depository receipts, real estate investments, trusts, and shares of limited partnerships are eligible, however. So NASDAQ is very, very uh, tech heavy, right? S&P, when it comes to the major U.S. stock index, Indices. I don't say indices, but say indexes here, right? The S&P 500 is the most highly regarded as a barometer of overall stock market's performance and an indicator of how large corporations are performing. Okay. And then, um, the Russell 2000, they got, um, a monstrous amount of, um, uh, stocks uh in their index right okay and it's really um you know the russell 2000 is the most widely used index of small cap stocks stocks with a relatively small market cap and um there are no hard and fast rules as to when a stock is a small cap the key point here is that there's a broad market index known as the russell 3000 index. It is divided into two smaller ones, the Russell 1000, which accounts for the 1000 largest companies and the Russell 2000. That's the reason why we don't use it because we already got the S&P and the NASDAQ in our full, uh, which accounts for the remaining two thirds, right? The smaller ones have market caps in the $200 million range and, uh, Uh, the largest company in the Russell 2000 index has a market cap of roughly 10 billion. You know, 10 billion is small, Frey. Thank you. Tell me that's small, Frey, when you're talking about, um, 
these these major corporations, these multinational conglomerates. Okay, so we gonna we gonna knock this out. So Doug School, um, look out for that. Look out, like I was saying, Saint Thomas. Look out for daddy, right? Yeah, I gonna we 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 gonna set it up for you. So, um, number one, we used to go to school. We used to get a composition book with um um with the timetables on the back. So I'm gonna let you know when to pull that out. Doug School, bring out your, your copy book. That's what we used to call it: your copy book and your pen, and uh, take your notes and all that stuff and. We gonna um, go to school. I know you gonna enjoy that, uh, without a doubt. So uh, we're joined here in the studio um, by um, Stefan Duran, uh, the engineer, setting them up. You gonna put on some headphones and uh, have a, a nice conversation. Primarily focused on the uh, youth preparedness council, but um, he is from FEMA, so we're gonna ask some FEMA questions as well. Uh, and all that good stuff. Get closer. Get closer to the microphone, if you will. Good morning, sir. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you doing this morning? I'm good. Hey, thank you for having me today. Introduce yourself to the listening audience, if you will. All right. Hey, my name is Aaron Van Dorn. I'm the female immigration team lead for here in the Virgin Islands and the preparedness specialist for here. Okay. How long have you been here? About two years now. Where are you from originally? So originally, I'm from Florida. I grew up there and then bounced around a little bit uh, with the Army and then found my way here. How'd you get into FEMA? I actually, it was a transition from the military. Uh, I started working with contingency operations, meaning uh, disasters over in some other countries. Like and, where? Um, in Central America, okay. El Salvador, Panama. I uh, responded to some floodings, earthquakes over there, and that kind of was what got me into the door. Okay. And then from there, I really wanted to come bring a lot of the things that I learned over there back home. And that's what kind of led me to FEMA. And then I found the job here and took it, and I've loved it since. Where in Florida? Originally from Lakeland. So nobody usually knows where that is. So that's down by Tampa. Yeah, yeah. Well, when we were small, we used to follow wrestling. Okay. They, they are, Lakeland's a big wrestling town back in the day. Right. There yeah, in yeah. Brandon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We, we, yeah. We, used to, we used to hear, you guys got a nice arena in Lakeland. It's not a real big arena, but it's a nice arena. Yeah, it's pretty good. I actually yeah. used to wrestle back in high school, too. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, we grew up back then. It was Ric Flair and Dusty Rhodes mm-hmm. and all that stuff. So, and, and Kevin Sullivan. He was, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And they always talk about the Lakeland arena, but we never really saw. Uh, well, yeah, yeah, they, they would bring programs from there. That's, that's 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 a hurricane zone though oh absolutely yeah, yeah. i remember almost every summer we'd get hit with something okay yeah i remember one year we got a at least three weeks off of school because it was hurricane mm-hmm. week off next week another hurricane wow the week after that another hurricane wow. yeah that area they, they like cutting through there and they'd come from any direction Oh yeah, yeah. The, yeah the, get them in Atlanta, in the area, they can come the from the, out the Gulf, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's, that's that's interesting. So, um, acclimating to life in the Virgin Islands was pretty seamless for you then. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't really too difficult. Um, was already used to a lot of things. Definitely the climate. I already love it warm. Mm-hmm. Not really a cold weather person. So it was pretty good. Okay, that's okay. That's good. Now, uh, we'll we'll talk about the the youth preparedness council uh, in in a little bit. I got a general question to ask on behalf of my audience. Mm-hmm. Why is the recovery struggling um, to actually um, be processed with the naked eye as uh, from the standpoint that we're making progress? Now, I know the, the administration 
um, prior to you getting here, because you say you've been here for two years and you know, they, they've been in an office for four years and they've mentioned capacity. But at some point, aren't we supposed to, uh, if, if, we've, if we've identified the problem, why don't we fill the capacity? Why is it so hard to do so? So there is a lot that goes behind the scenes. Um, I know that we've been working a lot with the territory and supporting the recovery efforts. And I know that we're really trying to help build the, the culture of resiliency and preparedness here within the territory. Um, I can definitely get you with somebody maybe from recovery that would be able to answer a lot of your questions a mm-hmm. little better. Mm-hmm. So I could refer you and get some answers for you. Maybe if you want to ask me something, I can jot it down. No, 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 no. I, I, that's just a general question. Um, okay. So, so, so. Basically, you're, you're saying things are going on. We may not be seeing it with the naked eye, but there is forward progress. Right. Okay. Then we're good. We're good. And, and at some point, we'll get um, with the with the true shot callers because you're into preparedness. Preparedness. Okay. And when we come back uh, from the break, uh, we'll get you to define that because um, when folks hear FEMA, they're thinking, okay, they show up after. Right. Uh, we, we get beat up. So you're telling me now that there is a prepared, there's a front end. There's a there's a front end. Okay, that's good. That's good. And um, we're focusing on the younger folks yes. today, today, right? With, with Absolutely. The, with the council and he's eight to eighth, eighth, eleventh grade. Correct. So we're talking for the most part thirteen to seventeen thereabouts. Roughly, maybe sixteen. Thirteen to sixteen. Yeah. Okay. 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 That's good. It's good. So we'll take a break. We got Aaron Van Duren uh, here joining us. Um, FEMA Youth Preparedness Council application period is currently live. It began on the 23rd of January and it closes on March 6th of 2023. We'll take a break and we'll get into the details of this right after that. I'm Scott Tong from Public Radio's Midday News Magazine, Here and Now. We bring you all the news that happens between the morning headlines and the afternoon wrap-up. Plus, conversations with authors and artists, stories that affect you, maybe a story about you. So join us for NPR's Midday News Magazine, Here and Now. Weekday afternoon from 3 to 5 p.m. Right here on WTJX FM 93.1. You know exactly how you take your morning coffee. Knowing where to get news you can rely on is just as simple. Listen to Morning Edition from NPR News every weekday. From 6 to 8 a.m. here on WTJX FM 93.1, your NPR station in the Virgin Islands. You can also listen on demand via the WTJX app, available for download from the App Store in Google Play. So I spent the past year trying to figure out what news designed for 21st century humans might look like. One of the things that really stuck with me was that we now know that humans actually need hope to get up in the morning. And I don't think as a journalist, I ever thought about it that way. We're always looking for new and better ways to understand the world we live in. That's On Point with me, Meghna Chakrabarty. Weekdays at 1 p.m. on WTJX FM 93.1, your NPR station in the Virgin Islands. 
What is the secret to happiness? That's a really good question. And how can we live a more meaningful existence? Here's the secret, I think, of life. I'm Anoush Zamarodi. Each week on NPR's TED Radio Hour, we go on a journey with TED speakers who help us answer some of life's biggest questions. Oh, wow. Yeah, let's get right to it. Join us. Saturdays at 4 p.m. here on WTJX FM 93.1. And we're back here in Analysis, and we've got uh, Mr. Aaron Van Duren from the uh, FEMA. And uh, we're talking to Youth Preparedness Council during the break. You were telling me what the Florida Southern? I did. No, I, I know North Florida is in Jacksonville. Florida State is in Tallahassee. Central Florida is in Orlando. Uh, South Florida is in Tampa. Where is Florida Southern? It's actually a pretty small school right between Tampa and Orlando. Okay. So right between UCF and USF. Okay, okay, okay. And I know you, Orlando, you had you had what Southwest to get to to get to South, yeah, to get to Tampa. Is that, is so to get to Orlando, we'll no, no, head you're, you're in to, Orlando. From Orlando to Tampa, you would head in a what a Southwestern, right? Southwestern. You said Southwest. it, you said it's in between those Correct. two. Okay, okay. I, I, Florida Southern. Yeah, I know South Florida. University USF that's mm-hmm. USF right and I know UCF but I don't know if Florida Southern yeah uh, what's it like it's pretty small small yeah it's definitely a very small school uh, it's like, in like UVA roughly yeah. yeah given the population of Florida over twenty million and and all that stuff so right so the school yeah. itself it's it's private um I think I graduated oh, oh. with maybe a couple hundred oh it's a private university mm-hmm. oh okay cool oh, cool I, I like that I like that so let me ask this question before we get into the uh, youth preparedness council as someone who, um, you know, been in the service and then um, transitioned to uh, a public agency. This is a federal agency working for FEMA, right? Um, what was the biggest concern you had coming from all that discipline and you're being conformed to, to a certain lifestyle in the military to now back to civilian life. It, 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 that's the easier way. That, that's the easier way to go, right? As opposed to the reverse when you're going from civilian life. Right. Well, there's there's probably a bit of a culture shock on both ends of it. Mm-hmm. So, uh, of course, going into the military, you have to learn all the, the discipline, structure, and how to address and everything like that. And then coming back, it's almost a reversal, uh, getting back into used to it. And um, you'll see that with a lot of veterans, there's an acclimation process getting mm-hmm. back into uh, normal life. So transferring to a federal agency was a little bit easier because there's still a lot of the same uh, lingo and stuff like that. A lot of the same structure, especially within FEMA. A lot of the response is also similar to a lot of like the crisis management within the military. So it was a little bit easier transition. But as you're right, going back into just normal society, you have to kind of, uh, I don't want to say hold back, but you got to realize that you're talking to different types of people. Let me ask you this personal question from an appreciation level. You think um, civilian society appreciates the military enough? Yeah, I think they do. Mm-hmm. I think there's a, especially within the past uh, 10 years and since the, the conflicts have happened, yeah. uh, there's a, a lot of respect for the military service. When you work your way through the, to the airports, if you had on your fatigues and all that stuff, you, 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 people would show you love and all that? Yeah. 
I've, I've never gone anywhere where that hasn't happened. Yeah. I know you hear stories of it sometimes. I've personally never seen that. Mm -hmm. uh, people are generally very friendly, supportive. Okay, that's good. That's good. So let's talk preparedness before we get to right. preparedness. Um, this um, division, this is, a, this is an agency within FEMA, preparedness. It's a division within it's FEMA. A, a division within FEMA. Yes. Um, well, educate us, uh, if you will. All right. So preparedness, uh, also with resiliency, kind of go hand in hand. Mm -hmm. It's kind of what to do and how to get ready for the next thing that might be coming. So with that, uh, we'll usually partner with the territory, anything that they request uh, support on or any of the federal programs that are out there as far as getting ready. Uh, we'll kind of go along with that. So a lot of the programs that fall under it are risk assessment, hazard identification, and a lot of things that go into planning and the planning cycle. So from the plans, the plans will then get exercised. So we'll help develop and come up with drills, exercises, uh, workshops, tabletop exercises, things like that. And then that way we can make sure that the plans are sufficient or helpful. And then from that, there's a whole development process of continuous improvement. So once we exercise the plans, we have to see what went right, what went wrong, what needs to be adjusted. So then the planning goes into that to change anything that's needed, come up with courses of action to go off of that, and then start implementing and tracking a lot of those things. And then there's a lot of coordination too between other elements of FEMA, maybe mitigation or, or grants and things like that, that we get to speak with. And a lot of the work that goes in on the front end gets to support a lot of those other programs. And with it, there's also a lot of outreach so I get to partner with uh, Vitima as well as a lot of the volunteer organizations. We get to go into houses of worship, businesses, talk about how to get you and your family ready for any sort of disaster and things like that. So it's, it's really rewarding to get to meet a lot of the community that way. And I really enjoy it. It's a lot of fun. No, the hurricane hunters, they, 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 they fly in here. They set up shop here uh, on St. Croix uh, for many years. Puerto Rico and, and St. Croix, they have a relationship with, with FEMA. I know that's the, the military, that's the Air Force, right? The Hurricane Hunters? Yes, there is a relationship. Um, that one's kind of managed out of the region. Okay, so, so. that's how we have San Juan thing, because I know they do training here. Uh, I, I actually mm -hmm. went to a training down here in Fredericksted. Okay. Uh, so that was cool to yeah, see I the helicopter. last year they were here yeah, and they did an expo. Yeah, they had the helicopters and all that stuff uh, mm -hmm. working their way there. So so, so that, was, that was awesome. Why are we focusing on getting the youth um, cognizant and, and understanding of the importance of preparedness. I mean, it's a good thing. I'm just mm -hmm. asking the question from a formality perspective. Right. So they're our future and being able to put effort into them and being able to let them be aware and provide opportunities to them uh, really just kind of builds them up for the future to help out and really help out everybody, the community, building an overall culture of resilience. And one way of doing that is the Youth Preparedness Council. And um, that's a, what we're here to okay, promote. Give us a little history about the Youth Preparedness Council to the best of your ability. Okay. So it was founded around 2012. And um, there's the National Council. And it usually composes of uh, several uh, students from each region. So um, maybe 20-ish. Uh, it varies uh, throughout the year. But the, the teens come together and they get taught different skills. Uh, they get to work on projects and uh, that get to benefit the community. They choose what projects they get to work on. 
So overall, it's a it's a really good program to where um, we get to invest in our youth, get to teach them skills, skills development like project management. Uh, for me, that's not even something I saw until later on in the army, mm-hmm. and uh, we're teaching high school students how to get into project management, how to expose them or exposing them to emergency management field, the whole career path that a lot of people generally don't necessarily consider or know is out there. Um, it's a it's a really good opportunity for a lot of those other things like that. It's a, a extracurricular activity that's nationally recognized. So I'm on the website here. Um, like, and I, I Googled FEMA Youth Preparedness Council and they took me to the website. Yep. They have children in emergency planning um, and all that stuff. And then they have uh, the Youth Preparedness Council, Meet the Council, um, preparedness activities, research, webinars, faith-based mm-hmm. and neighborhood. This is pretty comprehensive. Yes. Yeah, it's a very involved program, uh, which is probably one of the reasons why it is pretty esteemed. Um, they're going to part of this is there's a summit that happens every year. Mm-hmm. And this year it's going to be Washington, D.C. Okay. So they get to go there and that's kind of laying the, the groundwork of, hey, what is this program going to entail? It's going to be a year long program uh, to where teens get to work together and come up with projects that they want to do within their communities. So the year starts in D.C. Right. And yep. then, and in then, July. And then you go back to your communities and, mm-hmm. and, and work on preparedness. Yes. Okay. That's, that, that's cool. Now, um, there are different levels of, or different types of natural disasters in the, in the United States. Uh, for example, the Southern tier states were subjected to rain, wind, hurricanes, and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, the Northern tier states, um, they could get racked by anything out in California. There were no earthquakes and fires and all that stuff. So talk a little bit about um, uh, a particular youth council member coming to the youth council and they're looking out for different types of of disasters that they got to prepare for. Right. Yeah, it's a good form of exposure, too. I remember speaking with some of the, the students from the past and they're coming into it with the mindset of their specific area. So they're going to be exposed to teens that are thinking of other problems, like other hazards that they face, like Mm -hmm. real risks. And it's kind of a a bit of an eye opener at times, like, oh, I've never thought to consider that. But yeah, people have to deal with this. And uh, there's a a holistic thing about it to where once you start preparing for one, there's a lot of commonalities and you can see, okay, this is going to build resiliency overall. And that's kind of what it, it leads to. It's what are the, the steps to, to essentially help people? The, the the middle of the country is known as Tornado, Tornado. Alley, yeah. right? Um, and that's a whole different mm-hmm. um, um, dynamic there. You know what I'm saying? I mean, there are actually tornadoes in, in hurricanes. So we're, we're familiar with that. But um, to literally see this thing coming. That'd be scary. I mean, that, that, that has to be, you know, a whole different uh, universe of mm-hmm. fear. Right. And preparedness um, mm-hmm. to deal with that. Because um, if you get direct hit from a tornado, I don't care what you have. Exactly. It's, it's going to get crushed. Unlike a hurricane, in some instances, the way homes are constructed, the way um, where you might be um, surrounded by um, trees and all that stuff, you could bl- actually block. It oh, could actually it. block some of and the impact. Building but, codes. Yeah, building codes, right. correct. Um, but with, with tornadoes, that must be a whole different ballgame. I imagine it would be very scary. Yeah, wow. I would not want to experience a tornado. No, no, we, we wouldn't wish that on our on on our worst um, 
uh, enemy. So um, let's talk a little bit about how they established eight to eleven creators, right? So that's right. Uh, thirteen to sixteen or thereabouts. Um, eleven grade, you probably sixteen, making seventeen or something like that. So um, why those grades? Yeah. All right. So the application process is now. Um, mm -hmm. It's essentially during the second half of the school year. So they're going to apply. The application process goes into the summer. The deadline, again, just to uh, reaffirm that one, is March 6th at mm -hmm. midnight. So the people that are going to make you the can council, apply, You can apply online. Apply online, yeah. yep. Uh, if you search it on FEMA.gov, FEMA it'll be the first thing that'll pop up. Mm -hmm. And that application process is right there to walk you through it. Um, so the people are selected in May. The summit is in July. And then it really starts kicking off. It's a year-long program, uh, essentially the next school year. So that's why eighth graders can apply for it. Therefore, they'll be in, in ninth grade by the time they're actually going through a lot of the projects and stuff. And for 11th graders, they'll be seniors in high school going through it. So that's why those specific age ranges. Mm -hmm. Question from a listener. What qualities make a good disaster preparedness worker? Not necessarily mm. for a, 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 a council member, a youth council member, but just in general. What, what, what was it about your preparation, being in the military, that allowed for you to be uh, to embrace preparedness? So, I would say there's almost there could be two things that would kind of prepare somebody for this career path. One would be a, a want to help people and help your community, and one of the best ways to do that is this route. It's how to plan to make people more prepared for when something bad happens. Mm -hmm. I would say another catalyst for coming into this is experiencing something that is life changing, like a major hurricane or something like that. And it really puts into perspective, this is something that we have to plan for. This is something that really could ruin people's lives. And unfortunately, it has. So just the desire to make sure that that doesn't happen again people is something that really really helps out and that is a really good motivation for coming into this um I, i'm trying to figure out how to how to ask uh this particular question but uh when you're looking at um preparedness that that requires x amount of resources so mm -hmm. the government has a major obligation, um, in particular with, in our case, we got Vitima. That's our local entity, right? Mm -hmm. And FEMA has, is known as, well, um, after we get hit, at least we know FEMA is coming to help us out. But you're saying you're, you're articulating a position this morning that, um, we're actually trying to do the little things to the best of our ability so that the amount of recovery, the, 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 the expectation for FEMA Absolutely. on the back end, um, won't be as cumbersome and voluminous if you are as prepared as you could be. Absolutely. Um, every step of preparation, mitigation, definitely mitigates any factor on the back end. And not just from FEMA, from the territory too, from the local community. Uh, I know a lot of the volunteer organizations also help out too. But the more that we can do to get ready beforehand, really, really mitigates any of well not any but a lot of the stress afterwards mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and even mentally too thinking about it, if you know you're getting ready for a disaster that's coming you're much more comfortable going into it you've taken the precautions 
you're ready for afterwards. Okay, I have food, I have water that's set up. I cleaned my area around me. I know things like debris is not going to come slamming into my house. Um, things like that. I having a network. So, hey, I know I can check on my neighbor. My neighbor can check on me. I can go here after a disaster. Let my family members know that they can that I'm okay. Oh, knowing places that'll still have electricity and power and things like that. Now you're you're a preparedness specialist. Yes. How do you how how did, how did you get to that level? What what is required? Um, I mean, you, you come from the military, you come from a military mm -hmm. background, but you don't necessarily have to have a military background to be a no, absolutely fitness, not, right? So, what was it about your training that allowed for you uh, to, to 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 get into preparedness to the levels that you you're at now, and actually encouraging young people to be uh, cognizant of the value of preparedness? Okay. Um, I can go at this from two angles. So you can, I can either go into mine or I can give you a general run that could be. Whichever one is comfortable with you. I'm, general one. I'm good. Yeah. Okay. So really, like I was saying, desire to help is good. Mm -hmm. However, to get specifically into preparedness, um, and kind of the way that I got into it too, a little bit was kind of on the project management side of it. It's like, okay. okay um, I wasn't necessarily looking for this type of position. But once I saw it, I knew this is what I wanted. Uh, but having a little bit of exposure maybe to knowing how emergency management kind of works. And you can even take basic classes on FEMA's website that kind of teach you of some of that stuff. Oh, you know, that, that's a good, that's a good step. We're going to take a break and, and we'll, we'll come back and you could talk a little bit about uh, the classes that FEMA um, has on its website and, and how that um, actually uh, is uh, a asset mm -hmm. for you individually because ultimately it's about teamwork, right? Right. So we we got Aaron Van Duren um, from uh, FEMA. He's representing uh, the FEMA uh, Youth Preparedness Council, and the application window, which closes on March the sixth, twenty twenty three. We'll be back right after this. for your business. At Bank of St. Croix, our mobile apps provide access to business accounts on the go, and our merchant card services accept credit and debit payments anywhere, anytime. Plus, the online banking platform means your bank is always open. Bank of St. Croix has two locations, one in Gallows Bay at 340-773-8500 and one in Peter's Rest at 340-713-8500. BankofStCroix.com. On Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, we are not afraid to stand up to the high and mighty like Jeff Bezos. He had that big <laughs> cowboy hat on. He looked like, like a shrink ray had hit Garth Brooks. <laughs> I'm Peter Sagel. Join me as we speak truth to power, at least until power agrees to buy us out, on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me from NPR. Saturdays at 1 p.m. and Sundays at 2 p.m. right here on WTJX FM 93.1, your NPR station in the Virgin Islands. All of us want to know what's going on, but only some of us want to know the why. That's where we come in. 1A is a place for the curious, daily conversations for those looking to make sense of our world. I'm Jen White. I hope you'll join me next time for 1A. Catch 1A at his new time, 
weekdays from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. on WTJX FM 93.1. I'm Deepa Fernandez from Public Radio's Midday News magazine, Here and Now. We'll bring you all the news that happens between the morning headlines and the afternoon wrap-up, plus conversations with authors and artists, stories that affect you, maybe a story about you. So please join us for Public Radio's Midday News magazine, Here and Now. Weekday afternoons from 3 to 5 p.m. right here on WTJX FM 93.1. And we're back here and analyze this. And uh, Mr. Aaron Van Duren uh, is joining us this morning. He is here to uh, promote um, the FEMA Youth Preparedness Council uh, eligible uh, to students in grades 8 through 11. The applica- application period began last week, Monday, January 23rd. Uh, it'll run until March 6th of 2023. And uh, for those who are interested, um, Visit ready.gov slash kids slash youth dash preparedness dash council to learn more. You click on the link and you will have access to all the information you need. And um, it's a year-long program. Um, they make the selections, I think, and you said in May? In May, they'll be notified. They'll be notified in May. And then the actual summit takes place in July. And then from there, you go back to your communities and um, try to impart um, preparedness, mm-hmm. skills, what have you. Right. Okay, okay, that's, that's pretty straight, straightforward. So you were talking about um, a general uh, entry into the, the preparedness world right. in, in FEMA. Mm-hmm. And um, aside from the specifics, um, a primary, um, I won't say requirement, but I'd say a mandate or, or tenant would be to want to help people. Right. Okay. Okay. At least the desire yeah. is, is helpful. Mm-hmm. And then willingness to, to work and figure out ways that can best support the community. Mm-hmm. Now, I would think attention to detail would be an asset. It definitely helps, yes. Okay. Okay. That's that, that, that's that's good. For you uh, personally, uh, you've been here for two years. Where else have you been uh, in this capacity with FEMA? Here. That's Only it? here, yes. So, so you when you left the military... Jumped ship straight over to FEMA and <laughs> packed my stuff and moved over here. Okay, good. Okay, good. Yeah. So, so this is it. Mm-hmm. Uh, 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 what did you find in the Virgin Islands um, with respect to to FEMA itself and how it could work with the local agencies to facilitate uh, recovery? Uh, so, for recovery or preparedness? Well, preparedness. I'm, I apologize. Okay. Preparedness, yeah, because you're in preparedness. I keep, mm-hmm. you know. Pardon me for thinking it's just uh, ingrained in my brain that FEMA is about recovery <laughs> yep. preparedness. So on the preparedness side, uh, I get to work a lot with Vitima and specifically their Office of Planning and Preparedness. Okay, you know, I'm glad you went there. Um, hurricanes in the region. Um, we had um, Director Jashin on the last mm-hmm. Wednesday of every month, uh, beginning in June or July of last year. And he mentioned um, that uh, like when storms are in the area, that um, FEMA would fly in, folks, before the storm. Absolutely. And, and, and they would be here. So talk a little Are you into coordinating? They're getting here. You played a part in that? or? Um, 
not in them getting here. I do play a part in it, though. Okay. Um, so anytime there's a potential hazard that's coming in, mm-hmm. uh, like an invest storm that potentially could hit, mm-hmm. uh, FEMA definitely wants to be on the front end of that. So we'll start deploying uh, teams down here to get ready that way in case there is any, if we do get hit and there is a de- declaration, we're already ready to go and there's no lag in any of that. And specifically... So FEMA is committed to being here during the storm, not waiting until like, like for example, with the hurricane hunters, right? When, when there's a, a a storm coming here, they hop on a plane and they head down to Aruba. And then after the storm, they'll come back and do what they got to do and all that. In your case, you guys are here with us during the storm? Right. Okay. So especially what I've seen in the past two years, they're here several days. So whenever the hurricane is maybe, or the invest uh, is... I don't know, potentially five days out or mm-hmm. so, like roughly around that time period, they'll start coming down here. For me, um, whenever it's actually time the EOC activates, I'm right there with them. I'm mm-hmm. in the room. That's the emergency operations center. Right. I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah. yeah. Acronyms. Yeah. yeah. Emergency, o- emergency operations center yeah. over yeah. at Vitima. Yeah. That's at Vitima. And what role do you play with them? Uh, any support that they need. So uh, whenever like the operational process is going on, um, I'm there like, Hey, this is something we may be requesting. I can then be on the front end to let our people know to start preparing for it ahead of time. Mm-hmm. Now let's say a Virgin Island, uh, somebody from St. Croix is on the, the, the youth preparedness council. They get selected and uh, a storm is on the way. Are they, are they eligible to, 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 to participate <laughs> at that or, uh, with you guys in that formal setting of, uh, work that work setting or at that point we're going to tell them now nah, you're yeah, you're still a high schooler uh, there's a limit there's a limit to uh, to your involvement so I don't want to put a limit to involvement on youth yeah. at all um, as far as the youth preparedness council that's more again on the front end mm-hmm. preparing this and doing projects and things like that uh, but what you did led me to a separate program that we have for CERT yeah, for go ahead. community yeah, emergency yeah, response yeah, I, yeah, teams. I saw that I saw that as well and with yeah. that uh, those individuals, the volu- people that volunteer for that, can get activated by Vitima and then help out in, in whatever method that Vitima deems is necessary, which is a phenomenal program. Uh, the people that are involved in that get a very in-depth training course, and then they get to support their local communities as well. And the knowledge they get from it is phenomenal. And then they get to stay engaged with the community, stay engaged with uh, emergency management as well, and, and get training throughout the year whenever it's it's held. No, I, I see that um, the CERT Community Emergency Response Team educates volunteers about disaster preparedness for the hazards that may occur where they live. CERT trains volunteers in basic disaster response skills such as fire safety, yeah. light search and rescue, team organization, and disaster medical operations. Absolutely. And that training is phenomenal. Um, I did it, uh, I want to say last year here with Vitima, whenever they held one of the classes, mm-hmm. uh, they had different first responders come in, do the training. You actually get to use a lot of the, like the fire extinguishers. Uh, there's an exercise at the end. You get to do uh, evacuations and things or, um, uh, rescuing people and extracting them from buildings, like light level stuff, but mm-hmm. it's actually a very, very good program. And I would recommend anybody that's interested go to Vitima's website and then they can register there. Mm-hmm. No, so so FEMA is not just this administrative entity that's doling out money that 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 <laughs> serves as a conduit for um, a jurisdiction. That's what a lot of people think. But, yeah, you know, yeah, there's, I'm, there's I'm, more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm learning that now. Uh, you're not just this administrative entity um, that that serves as a conduit between. 
uh, uh, impacted jurisdiction in Washington, D.C., who actually appropriates the money. There's a lot more to FEMA. Right. Yeah, especially on the front end. Mm -hmm. um, it's it's a full-time job. And throughout the entire year, we work on different projects and different programs to, to help the community and to help get ready for anything that might happen. Virgin Islands is, is by Tima. What, what's what's, the, what's the, the, the parallel agency in Florida? Ooh. Uh, actually, don't know the name of that one. Okay. I've never worked with them yet. Okay, okay. But every every state has every state has one. Okay, that's that that that's that, that's what that's where I'm getting at. And and um so how do you build camaraderie from a federal perspective with a local agency? Because um there's been a history of um right. local agencies feeling, yo, these feds they come in here and they think they know yeah. everything and all that stuff. How, how do how do we how do we, you know, mitigate that? Yeah, so yeah. That's one of the things I love about my position is I get to work on a regular basis with the people that are here in the territory mm -hmm. and I get to build those relationships. And uh, whenever there are federal people that are coming in, I get to tell like, hey, let's let's look at it this way. You need to talk to these people mm -hmm. and kind of prepare them to be like. There's the idea of what maybe uh, federal people might think the programs are supposed to go and then you come down and it's like it is going to go like this. However, this is how we actually accomplish it. And that way it, it cuts out a lot of the frustration and you get to get to the end product, the final product, which is a phenomenal thing. Mm -hmm. So preparedness ends where though? Because, because there, there's the, there's the bureaucracy of FEMA with <laughs> applications, um, the validation window, validation period, validation process where somebody said they may be impacted and you got to send folks out there to make sure that what they said, their claim is legitimate and all that stuff. But that's after the impact. When right. does pre the preparedness never ends is what you're saying. Right. Preparedness never ends. Um, we may get activated to respond. Mm -hmm. uh, and FEMA is here to respond. So um, whenever there's the hurricane or anything that's coming or maybe a no notice event, we're going to drop what, our do what we're doing and we're going to help. Mm -hmm. And then we're going to respond to that. And then we're going to go right back to preparing for the next thing. Wow. How many, how many, um, no, let me ask you a question. What was it like with that invest out there and, and your, your monitoring direction and all that stuff? Um, the juices get flowing. Uh, they, they definitely <laughs> do, especially when it starts looking like it's coming our way. Yeah. So yeah. we'll have, um, usually two times a day, we'll be getting the official weather report. Everybody's, huddled around the phone, hearing what's going on. Uh, the EOC is activated. We're all in there, all the different emergency support functions, meaning all the different agencies throughout the territory. I have a representative in the EOC getting ready for this thing. Mm -hmm. On the FEMA side, we're in our building. We're like all the different emergency support functions, again, are all huddled around the phone, waiting for the, the ask from the territory, waiting yeah. to see how we can support them. No. One of my listeners, Florida Division of Emergency Management. Ah, so that's so, so now you know. Right, right, now thank you. Know. <laughs> you know, thanks a lot. Uh, appreciate that. Um, do you guys support Florida, um, Puerto Rico when, yes. when they were impacted because they had a lot of rain, they had much more rain than we did in the last hurricane, um, cycle, right? So I'm part of Region Two. Region Two is USVI, Puerto Rico, New York, and New Jersey. Mm -hmm. So within that region, um, 
that's the area that we generally are responsible for okay. supporting. So absolutely, uh, we had a lot of people over in, in Puerto Rico ready for it. Uh, we sent some of our staff here over to that to help that, respond. That's, that, that's the question I was asking. I apologize that I didn't ask that question yes, correctly. Um, absolutely. So it's about need mm-hmm. uh, and, and, and all that stuff. Now, you bring up, and I'm glad you went there, you, you, you brought you brought up, uh, got to speak properly to you federal folks, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> um, you brought up our being in that region, uh, which is pretty uniform. Mm-hmm. Same thing with EPA, same thing with the judicial, the judicial branch. You know, we're, we're Puerto Rico and the Virgin Islands is more connected with New York and New Jersey than Florida, even though from right. a geographical, uh, uh, reality, um, we're closer to Florida than any other, any other state. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's because of, you know, our demographics and history and all that stuff, major migrations, uh, uh up, up in the Northeast. Um, that's a good thing, isn't it though? Yes. I would say it's definitely played out in our favor several times because if we're going to get hit with a hurricane, mm-hmm. Puerto Rico's probably going to get hit with a hurricane mm-hmm. and so is Florida. Mm-hmm. So being able to pull from other regions is a lot of help because we don't want to pull the same responders from Florida yeah. over to here because then there's going to be a gap over there. Correct. And vice versa. Like yeah. They're so, going to need help too. They're not going to be able to pull us because we're responding. As, as a well. matter of fact, one of the things that, that, that um, hurt us, uh, when we got hit with Irma Maria, you were still in the military then, I believe, in I 20, was. 2017, was that um, Harvey had slammed into Texas. Mm-hmm. So you had a lot of the resources were already right. deployed uh, to, Har- to, to Texas, to Houston in particular, right? And, and that created a problem for us because normally, uh, like when we got hit by Hurricane Hugo, yeah, in 1989, you probably weren't even born then. You know what I'm saying? Right. I'll just tease it, <laughs> right? Um, Florida Power and Light played an instrumental role in getting us back to base. Right? We never had these poles that you're seeing here. Yeah, the, the composite yeah. ones. No, 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 no. I'm talking the big, thick poles that 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 before the composite poles came oh, here, okay. right? Our poles were like half the size of that. And they actually changed us over and you could see the big physical difference. And then they'd have these convoys heading down the road, like four big trucks, Alabama power, Florida power, Guam. Uh, unfortunately, one had gotten electrocuted. Oh, no. uh, yeah, yeah, that was that was, that was sad. Um, but um, it was because Florida hadn't gotten hit, right? And as a result, you know, they they were able to deploy specialists and all that stuff. I remember in two thousand five, um, my very first year as senator, Florida had like four hurricanes in six weeks. Mm-hmm. Right, that was the, the the southern part and 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 the, where and I was. Southern. Yeah, that was, yeah, that was yeah. What I was talking about getting yeah, school yeah, off. Yeah, 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 yeah. We uh. We were looking at that and that was, that was wild. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? So, so it's important, um, from a preparedness perspective that you know where you can get your support from after you've been impacted. Absolutely. Okay. Good. Do you want to get the details again? Once again, for the, uh, eligibility on the application window? Absolutely. So for the youth preparedness council, uh, that'll be closing on March 6th at midnight. Uh, notifications will go out in May and then. Uh, it'll be taking place throughout the the rest of the year for that. It's a one year long program. And where can they go again to apply for this? So go to FEMA.gov and put it in the search bar. That's the easiest way to get there. Mm-hmm. Rather than reading that long link, just search bar. It'll take you straight to it. It's one of the first things that'll be on there. It'll tell you how to create the application and how to create your account and then what's needed for that application. Mm-hmm. And then there's even like videos on there to kind of explain it a little more. 
Um, also, as far as explaining it a little more, there is a webinar that will be taking place. Uh, this is optional. It's on February 28th. So okay. you can sign up for that one. And that's a week before the, 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 Roughly, the yeah. eligible, uh, eligibility mm-hmm. window, the application window closes. Right. Okay, good. Mr. Van Duren, thank you a lot for joining us this morning. And, thank you for having me. And I wish you success. And hopefully we get uh, Virgin Analysts to apply to be uh, members uh, and selected to be a part of the Female Youth Preparedness Council. Absolutely. Glad to have you here. Thank you. Thank you for having me again. And thank you for wanting to support the program and provide this opportunity to our youth here. Yeah, man. Thank you, Zoe Zimmet, for hooking me up uh, with this awesome guest. And um, the intent uh, means well because it's about, like they say, represent your community, learn and grow and create change now. Yeah. Uh, That's that's the mantras um, for the FEMA Youth Preparedness Council. It's Aaron Van Duren joining us. Thanks a lot for being here. We'll take a break when we come back. We'll have uh, Commissioner Terrence Nelson from the Department of Agriculture joining us. The Ag Agfest um, is on February 18th, 19th, and 20th. We'll be back right after this. expressed on Analyze This are entirely those of the on-air participants and do not reflect those of the station's board, management, staff, or underwriters. Hi, I'm Peter Sagal. You spent the week listening to the news. Don't you think you deserve to show off what you've learned on Wait, Wait, We Give You a Chance to Impress Your Friends with Your Knowledge of International Incidents, Political Gaffes, and the Latest Advancement in German Nudists. You'll be the life of the party! Or the death. Either way, you'll make an impression and you can thank Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me from NPR. Saturdays at 1 p.m. and Sundays at 2 p.m. right here on WTJX FM 93.1, your NPR station in the Virgin Islands. If it's happening around the world... NPR's Frank Langfitt is in London covering this one. Hey, Frank. Good morning. Cuba is experiencing its biggest anti-government protests. If it's happening here at home... On a blistering hot day in Twin Falls, Idaho... On the northeast border of Mississippi, where the river nourishes rich and green. Morning edition from NPR News will take you there, wherever the story is. Listen every weekday. From 6 to 8 a.m. here on WTJX FM 93.1.